Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Praise the Lord. My name is Stephen, as uh, Pastor uh, Mike said. Uh, For you online guests today, Pastor Mike did not uh, shrink and get a tan. He's across the pond, as you just saw. So I'd like to thank Pastor Mike for the honor and the, the privilege of tending to his flock here while he visits his family. Uh, and again, for the online guests, thank you for sharing your time with us as well. Again, my name is Stephen Roma. I'm a pastor of a ministry outreach called Serenity Church or Serenity Church Metro, uh, very close to Fair Park, Dallas. Uh, we have been serving South Dallas on a weekly basis since Saturday, October 6, 2012. Uh, I met Randy through Frank, and Randy has been a faithful servant. Frank as well, helping us with worship. And again, I'm honored for the opportunity to share with you all here today and online what God has uh, given me to say. First and foremost, yesterday was the 20th year anniversary commemorating our nation's most violent terrorist attack in American history. 20 years and one day ago, 2,977 people, give or take, did not go home to be with their families a senseless act of violence and outpouring of evil. So before we get do anything, what I'd like to ask you to do is to remember in a moment of silence all that perished. If you'll do that with me now, that'd be wonderful. Father, we love you and we don't understand all things. You are the sovereign over all things. We believe this. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac. You're the God of Jacob. What happened 20 years ago is still extremely painful for all of us. It seems like yesterday. We don't know what's going to happen in the next 24 hours or the next day or the day after that. But we do put all of our trust in you and your son who came into this world to die for sinners like us. I pray that we find some peace in in all that's happening in this world today. That the love of God would prevail over the gates of hell in this place. Guide us, Lord, and dwell us by your spirit. We welcome you here. Speak, Lord, for... Your servant is listening. We say these things in Jesus' mighty name and all God's children say, amen. So I don't put a title on many messages that that the Lord gives me. But I wrote at the top of the page, bad news, good news. But I have a story first. Joe and Rich were childhood friends. They grew up together, neighborhood, thick as thieves. They loved playing baseball. That's all they did. All summers they played baseball. Uh, They often wondered, I wonder if there's baseball in heaven. I wonder if there's baseball in heaven. So they make a a pact with each other. They make an agreement that whoever goes to, whoever dies first, whoever goes first, will come back and let the other know whether there is baseball in heaven. True story. 
So sadly, Joe passes away and later he comes to Rich and he tells him, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And Rich says, tell me the bad news first. No, tell me the good news. And he says, uh, there's baseball in heaven, just like we thought there might be. There's baseball in heaven. The bad news is you're pitching on Monday. I know it's a bad joke, but it's clean. But listen, the world is full of thirsty people for good news. So I've got a question for you. When someone tells you, I have good news and I have bad news, what what do you want first? What do you ask for? I apologize in advance for those that like the good news first, because today we're going to talk about the bad news first. We will start with the bad news. I'll take you into a fairly dark place and I promise to get you out of it. Let's proceed. You don't have to be uh, to watch Fox, Fox News daily. I kind of avoid it. I catch it every now and then. CNN, MSNBC, the, all the news channels to regularly to see and know that the world has gone astray. Amen. I don't watch a lot of TV, much less the news, but I've taken note that just currently, personally, I'm aware of fires in California, Oregon, and recently in Lake Tahoe, Hurricane Ida, and all the flooding in New York and the lives that were lost from that. Now there's Larry and another one behind it, I think. What happened in Afghanistan, in Haiti, the earthquake on 9-3, and not to say the least, the yearly occurrence of mass shootings. On top of all that, we're in a deep, deeply in a pandemic. And now there's variances and more variances of this COVID pandemic. Mask mandates and people, all about all that, the political upheaval, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Me, I'm a pretty positive, as my son, my son would probably hate to say this, chill person. I'm kind of quiet. I have learned the value of what uh, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 46.10. It said, be still and know that I am God. I'm not God. He's God. I'm quiet because I hate what my mouth is capable of. That's a whole nother sermon. So to my brothers and sisters here at Lakeway, Jesus had a lot to say about what we are experiencing right now. On these specific days, some say, are these the end times? Are these the last days? I'm not sure. Jesus walked on this earth 2,000 years ago. So the Bible says the days of a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. I don't know. Are we in the last days yet? Let's talk about it. First, let's get into some bad news. The world has gone astray, as we discussed. Excuse me for saying to hell in a handbasket. Yes, I said hell in church, okay? It's in the Bible. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, the Bible says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. I believe this is, in effect, what's happening. To my brothers and sisters here, Let me ask you this. If the blind lead the blind, won't they both end up in a ditch? To me, the world is full of blind people leading the blind. 
people calling good evil and evil good, a world full of people that do not know their left hand from their right, a a world full of the lost, a world full of the self-righteous doing what they think is right, and they're so very wrong because they're not following this. Listen, if there's no Jesus, there's no king. I'm not talking about Elvis. Judges 21-25 says, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. That's a scary situation. The NLT of that same verse says, All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Is that not It's my opinion, but is that not what could be happening today? So I have another question for you. Can you feel it? And I'm going to talk about this. Can you feel what's happening in the world? It's it's almost a feeling in what's happening in the world. We can see it. We can hear it. But I ask you, can you feel it? And what what am I talking about? I'm talking about the groaning of creation. Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans 8. In Romans 8, let me mark it here. This is Romans 8, 18 through 23. And he said, listen to the word. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Verse 19, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Verse 22 says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. What a powerful scripture. There is so much in that. I don't even have time to unpack all that. We groan and long for his appearing. The last part of that says the redemption of our bodies. I don't know about you, but I've got some aches and pains that I would like to be redeemed. And we wait for what? His glorious appearing. So I'm going to give you a little taste of good news right here. It just has to go here. Listen, this is not our home. We're just passing through. This is the closest to hell you're ever going to get. Now back to the bad news. You will be persecuted. If you love Jesus with all your heart, mind, body, soul, you will be persecuted. Matthew 5, verse 11 through 12 says, Blessed or happy are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That's Jesus talking. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. I don't know when people are persecuting me or saying bad things about me. That doesn't make me feel so good. But if it's about if it's all about his name, that's when we're supposed to see that there's something else going on here. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual war. I believe we're in the boiling point in time 
where if you say things like Jesus is the way, the truth and life, no one comes to the father except by me. You're basically saying Jesus is the only way, which is the truth. And we say that with love and grace, right? But if you say that, that could be called hate speech. If Pastor Mike sticks to the script all the way to the end, he could be jailed. I don't know. We'll see. I hope not. I hope we don't see that. But I think it's coming to that. I know it's bad news, but bear with me for a minute. If we say things like Jesus is Lord, confessing Jesus, saying that name, Jesus is Lord, Romans 10, 9. You could be thrown in jail. It may sound extreme, but we may come to a place where if I say I love you in Jesus name. You insulted me. You offended me could be something that someone says. That might be the extreme. Persecuted. Hated if you confess his name. And that's what we do. We confess his name. Amen. We confess his name. John 15 verses 18 through 19 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Wow. Because I love him, they're going to hate me. Okay. A little bit more bad news. John 16, verse 1 through 3 says, just stepping down from John 15, going down to chapter 16. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. The world's gone astray, but he's telling this stuff to us so we won't go astray. Verse 2 of John 16 says, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming. A time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. That is extremely sad scripture to me. They think they can take somebody's life, act as, put themselves in the place of God, and they don't even realize that they're doing exactly what their God, little g God, is, in, is telling them to do. So listen, my brothers here and sisters at Lakeway, the man that masterminded 9-11, they sadly succeeded. This is exactly what they were, had in their mindset. They believe that we are infidels. I'm not going to get into a lot of this, but an infidel is a person who does not believe in religion or who adheres to religion other than one's own. We are infidels in the eyes of a lot of radical, I'm going to be very careful here, radical Muslim, whatever you want to call it. Americans are infidels. They kill us and they believe they are, are rewarded. They have no God at all. Let me say this. A God that says to kill a man or, or anybody is not our Lord, is not our God. Amen. Two last scriptures of bad news and then we'll get into some good. So bear with me. Matthew 24. This scripture jumped out to me years ago. And I thought, Lord, is that what's happening today? Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14 says. Let me get the light just right so I can see. Watch out. It says, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Let me stop right there. Did you know that right now there are about seven men worldwide 
that say they are the incarnate Jesus Christ. One of them is a Siberian traffic cop. Another is a British spy. Sorry, Pastor Mike. Another is a British spy, and they believe, and they have a huge following. And they believe that they are the incarnate Jesus Christ right now. So what Jesus said is coming true. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive you. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Did you hear that? Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. All these are the beginning of birth pains. I'm going down to 14. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations. I circled all. You will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. That is a huge apostasy of falling away from the church. And I don't know if COVID has a lot to do with it, but a lot of numbers are down inside the church, but numbers are way up on the Internet, which is a, it's a huge thing. I believe that the fields are ripe for harvest. I believe that the fields are ripe for harvest. Continuing. Many will fall away will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. People from the church will betray and hate each other. Gosh. Verse 11. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase, listen to verse 12 of 24. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I thought about that. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. We're not talking about Jesus love. We're not talking about agape love. We're talking about the love in the world. Me, I had 40 years without Christ. So when I say BC, I'm saying before Christ. 40 years without Christ, I love things. I love food, good food. I love drink. I love drink too much. I loved revelry. I loved my kids. I loved my wife. But I did not know Jesus and I didn't know. And here's a sad thing. Nobody ever told me that Jesus died for me. Nobody ever told me the gospel. So I would encourage you to dig deep down in yourself. And sometimes at your workplace, somebody needs to hear it. I wake up now in the mornings. and I say, Lord, is there somebody you're going to put in my path that needs to hear about you today? Put them in front of me and make me make it known to me. Let me see it. The world is a bunch of full of people that are lost. They're walking in darkness, but they walk in the S-U-N light, but they're not walking in the capital S-O-N light. To know Jesus is to love Jesus. And then you're able to love others like your enemies. I used to think, love my enemies? What? Okay, I understand now. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus said that from the cross. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I have a brother that doesn't love me. He hates me. Says I've lost my mind. Man, I found my mind. And I said, brother, you just don't understand. And you know what I do? I fast and pray for him weekly. When I fast, nobody knows it. You will never know it. It's between me and the Lord. That's another thing. So are we in the last days? 
Last scripture, one of the most accurate, what I consider kind of prophetic, that Jesus spoke it, well, through Paul to Timothy in Second Timothy. And it's right here, Second Timothy. This is probably the most accurate about where we are today. So let me read this, and we'll move on to some good. Amen? But mark this, colon, there will be terrible times in the last days. And see if this doesn't apply today. Verse 2. People, be, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, godliness but denying its power. Does that not accurately describe what we could be experiencing today? I think so. Pretty sure. I had an epiphany reading this scripture. I jumped down to verse 8. It says, as Justice Janus and Jambres, I didn't give this to Berlain, but I'm going to touch on this. Justice Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth. Men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned are rejected this is the opposition to what we as the church and what god or jesus wants to do in the world is to flood it with love there's opposition to the love of christ in this world the world is as it says in romans 1 god gives them over to a depraved mind that is a whole another sermon Y'all ready for some good news? How about some good news? Scenario, I thought about how can I, there's something that I wanted you to get, and I thought, how can I present this? And I prayed for this about two weeks. And here's what I have. I want you to have an open mind and think about this scenario and, and work with me on this. Anyone love their mama? Love their mama? Oh, your dad too, of course. Even if they're not here, you still love them. If they're, if they're gone to glory, you still love them. Here's a scenario I want you to think about. You're given an unlimited, un, unlimited resources, a blank check, to build your mom a dream house. You can pick the city, the lot, the design, the amenities. And I got a question for you. How much effort would you put into that? The designing of it, the planning of it, the layout, the location the architecture, the living spaces, the closet space, the features, the colors, the textures, the materials. How about the kitchen? I know exactly what my mama wants in the kitchen. I would, I would lay that out. I would draw it out. You do that for your mom and your dad too. Would there, wouldn't there not be like a, a giddiness, a joyful, a childish joy, looking into every minute detail of what you're doing, what you're designing? You have... All the resources you need, all the materials you need to do that for your mom. Would you overlook any detail? Would you cut any corners? Would you spare any expense? No. Hear me. That is exactly what God did when he made this world and put you in it. It's exactly how much he loves you. For all mankind... And he spared no expense. He spared no detail. He designed it. He designed it all. In you, in me, in us, 
And we are the very pinnacle of all he designed, all the creation he made. You're the pinnacle of what he made. And he did it because he loves you. And he did it before the foundations of the earth. I love it when he says he made the heavens, the earth, and the seas and all that's in them. Think about that. That's three massive worlds, the heavens. I believe if we could see the band of the Milky Way nightly, we would be, it would be different. But we have too much light pollution, can't see it. That's on my bucket list to get somewhere like that in West Texas. I want to go somewhere where I can lay on the top of my car all night and look at the stars. I want to see that. I want to see what Jacob saw when he was walking through this. I want to see what Abraham saw. I think if we could see that, it would change things. The earth suspended above nothing. I think about that picture when they, when the astronauts at Christmas morning were coming on the, on the other side of the moon and the, it's the earth's rising, not the moon rising. They're behind the moon. They're coming around the moon and the earth is sitting there like a blue blob marble in blackness. And the seas, I respect the ocean. I love the ocean. Last September, I went to the beach because I'm a summer person. See my tan? I get out. I'm a summer person. I kind of get bluesy when it's the winter's coming because I get cold easily. So last, last September, I went to the beach. I said, I'm just going to the beach. I'm, I'm going to the beach. I want to read my Bible. I'm going to stick my feet in the ocean. I want to read my Bible. And this is exactly what I did. I went to Corpus Christi by myself, got a little Airbnb, walked to the beach, clapped my chair in the ocean, and I sat there and read my Bible. He made all that for us. I would like to give you a little thing that's been a blessing to me, and if you can do it, if you wish to do so. There's no coincidence that there's 31 Proverbs. So for about 15 years, I've been reading the proverb that matches the day. Last night, I read Proverbs 13. Because today's the 13th. But today's the 12th. Either way, see, I read the proverb that matches the day. Tomorrow, no, tonight I'll read the 13th. And I, you do that because if you read Proverbs 1, it tells you what you get. You get wisdom, you get discernment. All those things that we need. But Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8, I'm going to read it. It's kind of long, but listen to it. I believe this is written for, from, the, from Jesus' standpoint, standing by God while he's watching God do things. Listen to the word. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world. You're made of the dust of the world. This tells me that this was way before everything. Or any of the dust of the world. Verse 27. I was there when he set the heavens in place. When he marked out the horizon and the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was his craftsman, his craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. And listen to verse 11, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. God delights in you. He delights in you. Do you delight in him? Oh, that's a whole nother sermon. That's, Psalm 37, if I know correctly. In 2010, my daughter Mia 
was a highly sought-after midfielder at the Colony High School. She was invited to a lot of showcase tournaments across the country. And I said, Daddy's going. If my daughter's going, Daddy's going. You got to jump at that time. You have young kids, you got to jump at the time to be in the car with them, on the plane with them, and they're 16, 15, 16, 17. Go road tripping with them, whatever. But I went on about six tournaments in one year, 2010 to 2011, college showcase tournaments, and we were in Seattle, Washington in 2010, and I went to Pike Place Market. You ever seen it on TV? It's huge. I still remember today because I was astonished by all the varieties of fresh, natural foods on display. Huge fish, wide variety of the ocean fare. This is the place where they take the salmon and they toss it across the room. And one guy catches it and everybody's taking pictures and you can buy that salmon. You know, it's right out of the ocean. But it just blew my mind. It was mind boggling. All the variety. And God made all that for your taste buds and for my taste buds. These come from seed and from the, from, the, from the ocean. How did he know my taste buds? I bought a peach like this big that day. I still remember it. And it was the most succulent, juicy peach. I'm probably making you hungry. You know, my most, uh, most succulent, beautiful peach I've ever had. How did he know my taste buds would love that texture and that flavor and that sugar in there? Whew. The smell, the touch, our vision. He takes all of that and he makes that, you know, Pike's, this market is like sensory overload. I'm trying to verbally describe it. It's hard. And then you get to the flower section. And it's like 50 yards of this tunnel with flowers up to like five feet that way. And flowers tiered up five feet that way. Beautiful all the way. Bright. Smells like heaven walking through there. And he made all that for us. I don't know who needs to hear this, but hear me. God loves you. He loves you so much. I don't think that we take that into our heart as much as we need to. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting means forever. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Any grandparents here? Any grandparents? Oh, I have two granddaughters, Scarlet and Violet. Oh, I don't get emotional thinking about it. Oh. That's love. You hug a little girl and says, Papa, I just love you. Oh. Talking about melting me. God loves you like that. How much do you love you? Enough to die for you. To leave the throne room of heaven, become a baby through the womb of a teenager. He was breastfed. He had to be wiped. He had to learn to walk. He was burped. He had to learn to talk. He was subject to the authorities. And then he was born to die. He's the only baby ever born to die in this, that ever came into this world. God so loved the world. So what's our goal? I want to read the scripture first. This is in 1 John 4. If you had not read 1 John in a while, I would encourage you to go and read it. It is probably the most poetic and beautiful scripture. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 12. I'm going to read this. It says, 
This is how God showed his love among us. Calling. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Colon. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So what is the the end goal here for us? For us that are in such a time as this. I submit to you to be a sold out, drop dead, Jesus freak. Get the shirt. I have one. I, I kid you not. It says Jesus freak. If you truly love Jesus with all your heart, mind and soul, people will increasingly think you're weird. The Bible does say we're peculiar people. But it's a good weird. You don't go and beat people with your Bible. You love them to death. You hear me? You love them to death to have. The goal is to have the mind of Christ. To have increased fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5. You know, I love my dad. A lot of people say I look like my mom more than my dad. I think I'm kind of in between. But my desire is to look like my heavenly father. Having eyes to see and ears to hear. Do you see? Do you see all the things around you? I'm not talking about man-made things. I'm talking about God-made things. And you know what the other end goal here is? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, why is it you think that people go on vacation to go like to nature, to get out of the city and go to nature? Because that's where God is. I want to walk in. I haven't been to Yosemite, but I, I've seen pictures. I want to walk into that cathedral area with that El Capitan's there and the mountains are up here and the mountains up this way. And that is where we need. That's where we go to get away from all this, the cement. All the buildings that man made. Man can make some pretty cool stuff. But I'm talking about catches my eye today. Nature. Things that, that's what God made. I watch nature shows. You know why I watch them? Because I said, look what my father did. Look at that bug. Look at that plant. Look at that tree. Look at that animal. We all know that the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners like me, like you. So I close. I'm close to closing. I'm not there yet. So don't start running out the door. Is this guy still talking? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to talk about weddings. Anybody like a good wedding? I love weddings. Aren't weddings such a joyful occasion? I cannot say that I've ever seen a less than beautiful bride. Listen to me. We are the church. We're the bride. So one one thing I'd like to leave with you, I say to you, Lakeway Church, get dressed for the wedding. Be about your father's business. Not burying your talent. That's a whole nother sermon. But being a doer of God's word. And in doing so, you help. Did you know that you help weave your own wedding garments for that great wedding supper of the lamb? You say, where where is he getting that from? 
Where is he? Where's that in the Bible? Well, let me show you. This is in Revelation 19. This is in Revelation 19. Oh, it's where my bookmark is. There it is. This is in Revelation 19, verses 6 through 8. Listen to the word. It says, then I, heard a lo- what, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like th- loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of of the saints. Further down, it says, then the angel said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he and he added, these are the true words of God. So you get full of the spirit. You don't do things for God to earn his grace. Grace is a gift. That's Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2.10 says, and I didn't give this to blame, but this is a little extra for you. But we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I submit to you is to get busy about your father's business. And I close with a story. It's not a bad joke, I promise. It's a story. And this is a true story. This is an example of what? The abundant life should look like, I think, at the very end. This is a kingdom mindedness that we should all strive for. Martin Lord Jones, Martin Lloyd Jones, say that fast three times. He's a great British preacher. He's dying of cancer. A physician friend that was attending to him wanted to give him something to a sedative to ease his to make him comfortable. Martin Lloyd Jones Jones was too weak to speak. And he vigorously shook his head no. He wanted nothing to dull his mind. A friend quoted an old hymn, weary, worn, and sad. This was too much for the, the old preacher who mustered all his strength to whisper, not sad, not sad. Just before his death, he managed to scribble a note to his beloved wife and his family. And this is what the note said. Do not pray for, hi- for healing. Do not hold me back from glory. That's what I'm talking about. I also read that Dwight L. Moody on his deathbed. He was talking to himself and his, his, his son, Will, said, uh, you're, you're dreaming, Father. He said, no, Will, this is not a dream. It's beautiful. It is like a trance. And this is exactly what he said. If this is death, it is sweet. God is calling me. I must go. Don't call me back. You imagine Lazarus was called back. That poor guy. You called me back. What did you do that for? Psalm one sixteen fifteen says, "Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His faithful servants." That's what we need to see. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Paul said, "To live is Christ; to die is gain." When we die as believers in Christ, we step through the shadow of death doesn't touch us. And where we go, we end up in glory. And if you've been to some beautiful places in this world, like I've been, can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? 
Woo! I can't wait. My kids hate it when I talk like that. Dad, don't talk like that. I want to go, man. Lastly, for us, even amidst all the trials and all the anguish, the worldly despair, the chaos, this is my sincere prayer that you understand that through all that God has made, not the man-made things, just how precious you are to him. Amidst all the chaos, all the trials, all the anguish, the despairs, you can have peace. Loving the lost to the death of themselves. You can have peace knowing whether we are pulled up into the clouds or we take our last breath in this place. That there is a heavenly dwelling waiting for you. Prepared by Jesus himself. Go look at John 14. In the new Jerusalem, the heaven awaits. And we will all be together in his presence. Rest in this. Rest in this. You are loved. You are beloved of the Lord. Be still and know that he is God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we adore you. We praise you. We trust you, God. You're sovereign over all things. We give it all to you. The little bit we have, we give it to you, God. And I ask that you give a, put a hedge around us in all this chaos that's in the world. That you shield us from this virus as you shielded the smell of smoke from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That we can pray that prayer. And it's not a selfish prayer. It's a prayer of faith. I pray that for each and every one here, their families, my kids, my grandkids, that you cover us, Lord, from disease, from things. And the things that we have going on, help us to be strengthened in these things. That maybe we may be steadfast in faith and not waver and keep our eyes on the kingdom. We love you, God, and we praise you. And all God's children said, have a great week. Thank you, uh, Stephen, for the great message today. I just want to remind you to... Yeah. <clears throat> just want to remind you to be faithful with your tithes. You can give at the, the offering bu- bucket over there, or you can go online, Lakeway Online. And I hope every, you, everybody has a blessed day. Amen.